Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, just exhausted from his Black Friday um, adventures, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Dude, how are you doing? Dude, I'm good. Ate some good food this week. It was just a nice low-key Thanksgiving, which, you know, that's all I can ask for these days. Yeah, I, I had a I had a good one too. However, uh, my drive is like a couple hours to where I was going, and my AirPods appear to not hold a charge anymore. Mm. Have you ever go, have you have you lost a pair yet, or have you, are you still on your original pair? So I upgraded to the Pro um, mm-hmm. because I was having the same kind of like battery issues. I would get maybe like a half hour charge, you know, and it would be quick to charge them back up. But um, you know, I I need longer than that. Yeah, dude, that's. That's like what the first three miles for you. Like yeah, that's yeah, nothing. Come yeah. on, um, no, dude. I, uh, I, I. So my AirPods are old, 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 and they like seriously. They only charge for like ten minutes hmm. now. And I thought, well, you know, I, I'm not married to AirPods. Sorry, this is a Magic the Gathering podcast. But we're just talking <laughs> AirPods. And I just thought, okay, well, surely there's some good competitors out there that can like because the AirPod price is basically stagnant or more than it mm-hmm. was when I bought them. And um, what a nightmare shopping for airpods is yeah right and the other thing that's a caveat to that is first of all there's a bunch of black friday deals but b something like beats is owned by apple now and they have like a comparable product that's cheaper but it's like is this better is this the same i don't know am i gonna look like i'm you know a 20 like i'm a 40 year old man trying to be a 21 year old i don't know (laughs) it's very very concerning all of the above yeah yes so cameron you got to play some casual magic. Am I reading this correctly? Oh, on the this show is notes? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I played some regular, uh, you know, MTG Arena as well this weekend. But um, one of the great things about Thanksgiving is that I get together with my wife's side of the family, and there's a, quite a few Magic players um, on that side. But they are super casual, which is totally fine. But like we had, like, I mean, like the entire evening was dedicated to straight up kitchen table magic with like three other um kind of like relatives on my wife's side and it was great it was super fun to just um kind of talk shop with you know these people who aren't in the competitive scene but are dude when I say passionate like that might be the understatement for how much they love commander um, okay. And so, you know, I played some Commander this week, and this is actually the first time that I've legit played Commander, and it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Review done. Um, there's so much to say about Commander. Um, it, you know, and I was texting you, uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting with Commander is how it feels like Wizards R&D is, like, the, like how they're designing some of these busted busted standard decks of the last three years feel like that fits right into like the fun of commander of like mm. I'm going to cast five color absurdity and like we're just going to ramp to our heart's content and like it's all about like how big can you go so something like Omnath which I played an Omnath da- deck in this and I mean you know it's an Omnath deck it, it's whatever but that card fits so perfectly in like just the general 
thing that you want to do in Commander, which is just, you know, like, look at all these crazy loops that I can do with absurd amounts of mana, and isn't it a grand old time? And all I want to do is wrath the board, man. Like, and, like, that, uh, when you're playing with um, Super Commander people, they hate that. <laughs> like, it was, like, I mean, like, a real feel bad. Like, why would you want to do that? It's like, to win? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just a... Uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's just like a completely different mind shift, um, you know, and I I have nothing. I don't hold anybody against playing something that they love. Um, I, I think Commander obviously brings in a whole different um, clientele of, of Magic players. But like, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still super passionate about Magic, which I'm totally fine with. I just know that I don't like multiplayer Magic. Like I want a one on one sort of thing. And this week really, I, I mean, like that was hammered home for me in a way that I don't think I realized until I sat down and played um, a couple of tabletops of, of Commander. So you were you were the rude spike, right? I was. I really was. Uh, and I'm worried that I've been a negative influence on you. You know, Cameron, I mean, you have, or, but I appreciate that, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, because I, I do think sometimes we get a bad rap with like how we talk about Commander, like, and again, it's kind of like how I feel about owning a cat. You're a cat owner, I am not. It is like I don't have a thing against cats. Like I'm not like seeking, uh, you know, to to abandon cats or something, or uh-huh. like I'm a cat hater. It's just look personally, I don't want to own one. It's not my mentality. And if anyone's ever actually met me slash played against me, you would know Commander is so far afield from the kind of thing that I want to do, right? I just, mm-hmm. to me, if I want a multiplayer experience, and I, I'm aging myself a little bit, but I have played the precursor to Commander. Me and my buddies in high school, Dustin being one of them, we would play 100-card singleton multiplayer, right? Yeah. And of course I'm around commander all the time by virtue of being a magic player. Like it's in the shops all the time. I hear people play it, but it's like, I would just rather play settlers or splendor splendor or ticket to ride, you know, on and on and on these things that are kind of meant to be multiplayer experiences that I can be spiky within the context of that, where it's like, whenever you hear commander players talk about, um, the appropriate competitiveness level of your commander deck and what is okay and not okay. It's so nebulous. I just hate it. And I'm just more comfortable with saying, hey, pedals all the way on the floor. Do the best thing you possibly can. And in my context, that's standard competitive magic, modern mm-hmm. competitive magic legacy. So, yeah, I, I just, you know, whenever, not just Wraths, but like Armageddon effects. Mm. You know, it seems like everybody wants to create, whenever I watch Commander, it's a lot of creating them this like big bombastic multiple mana whatever thing and then if you like counter it it's like whoa man that that's fun police inappropriate yeah so um you also played some legacy am i reading that so right? i you know i brought all my magic card or like you know my backpack full of magic cards and i have two legacy decks um you know i have like i was able to build two legacy decks i should say so um, I did like a kind of like an Abzan junkie sort of um, rock type deck. Um, and then I also had like my blue white control list. Um, 
and I felt like they were evenly matched. There's like, you know, you have like veteran explorer, which I think really works well in the context of control. Anyway, I broke out those decks and, um, played, uh, tabletop with these. Um, and it's so funny playing with, with commander players because a, they, I mean, absolutely love that, you know, the dual lands are in these and like, you know, we're having a good time playing some really powerful magic cards. Um, but it was so funny that like where like you wanted the absurdity of like Omnath decks where I'm just going to create like these crazy loops with all this incredible mana and um trying to explain like why a fetch land is really important in the context of a brainstorm. They're like, but yeah, I still have to pay one life? That doesn't feel good. And it's you know, <laughs> just like this weird thing of like trying to explain like I guess like uh, the the real esoteric nature of something like legacy because there's just so many like these little things that seem counterintuitive to I think the casual player um, where it's like why would I ever deal one damage to myself when I only have twenty life and you know and like it's like mm. dude you win one way or the other with one life or twenty life it doesn't matter right but it's all about controlling that board anyway it was just um, trying to explain that sort of thing was uh, interesting. Um, and never has like the, the Batman, uh, slapping Robin meme been more appropriate than, uh, me trying to explain, uh, legacy and somebody saying, well, it just seems too complex. And I just like, no, that's the point, (laughs) you know, all good. It was, it was fun. It was fun to be able to play magic with, um, a crowd that I've never been able to play or, you know, never really interact with. Um, just because when I do play paper, it is, you know, like I, play against some very competitive people who are um really really strong players and this is just a 180 um and it, it's super fun it is yeah dude um i'm glad i'm glad you did that so i don't have to we'll say that <laughs> um I, I to me casual magic is like a cold cup of coffee just not <laughs> just not there for it um hey so cameron I'm just going to just update you with what I've been playing just real quickly. I do want to talk about, there's not a ton of news. MTG Vegas is kind of our news topic du jour. But, um, dude, I I think this standard is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing a bunch of different variations. I would say I did have a decent chunk of this week that I didn't get to play as much as I want because I couldn't get the client to connect. And I was kind of getting frustrated, so I had to like uninstall, reinstall, mm-hmm. whatever. Some fun, some fun windowsing, uh, as as you you happen to sometimes you have to do. Anyway, I've been sticking <laughs> sticking with this green blacklist because um, I'm playing against mono white like all the time at this stage. Like this is the thing I'm seeing. Yes, there is uh, a ton of variety. I see bug. I see esper. I see obviously all kinds of variants on is it. Uh, there is that black and white control list that keeps po- posting results, and I still never see it um but there's just a lot that's out there right now and i really feel like this is like a six deck format right now like you could feasibly win with any of these six decks but because i'm playing against the mono white deck so often these kind of grindy uh you know auger of autumn which is the coarser kind of variant uh and binding of the old gods and that stuff is just really great because it just blanks thalia's which is a linchpin card right like Mm -hmm insanely important and like again 
Uh, the Ren and Seven Asika's Chariot combo feels like it's at its best against Mono White, but that's not to say it really does a ton. A lot of times they clog up the ground. However, uh, Culling Ritual, have you seen this card? Uh, yeah, I've played against it. It's the two black and green. I think it's Culling Ritual. Uh, and it destroys everything with CMC two or less. And then it gives you that many black or green mana <laughs> as a result. So you end up with these like monstrous swings against Mono White post-board. You don't main deck this card. And uh, <coughs> what you do is, not only does it obviously kill their creatures, but the thing that it gets is uh, these random enchantments like Paladin Class or other things that they might happen to have that are just there on the board, right? Mm -hmm. Portable Hole might be one that you see. Stuff like that where it just like randomly just gets them. Um, that being said, uh, Storm the Festival decks I think are fine. However, against some of these other like over-the-top decks, like I just don't have any defense. Like if I play against an Epiphany deck... Unless I can get them with a duress, which mm. I'm not going to. It's not going to happen. Uh, I, there's not much going on there. But uh, I did I did see some people talk about how hard this standard is to get into. And it's kind of hard for me to see it from my perspective whenever you're just grinding all the time and getting the wild cards. But I do, like, it is kind of noticeable that a lot of these decks maybe are more wild card demanding than they've been in the past. Uh, specifically, I mean, Mono White used to be an uncommons, commons kind of deck, it is certainly not that now. Not at all. Yeah, so, like, I, I do I do want to say that, that I think that's a valid criticism, but in terms of metagame balance, I think we're kind of where we're supposed to be. It seems pretty cool. What do you think, man? Yeah, um, it's been a while, I feel like, since we've had a, like, tier one mono white deck, um, and I'm totally fine with that, uh, your criticism, uh, your, I mean, I guess the general criticism of it being an expensive deck, I, I mean, I get to a point, but also, like, you know, whatever, it, it, you know, blue-white control, blue-black control, we can go on and on with, like, there's always been expensive competitive decks, and that's just kind mm -hmm. of part of the game. Um, so, yeah, and I, I agree, like, um, I think I was complaining last week that I felt like I was getting paired, whatever the algorithm was doing, to the same types of decks this week um playing like blue black control and the green black kind of mid-range thing i feel like i'm getting the variety that i was expecting um where yeah i i feel like i have a little game against mono white but um it can still win out of nowhere and i've been having really interesting matchups which is uh great so anyway worth hopping on i hope a lot of people are enjoying it in paper this is a time of the year where i can't play paper yeah which means it's really going to hurt my, uh, you know, my bankroll, my MTG <laughs> bankroll about, you know, March or April. I'm going to really take one on the chin. Um, but Cameron, I just want to talk just in terms of our news section, just really quickly about MTG Vegas. So uh, it's kind of a puff of smoke. Uh, and it, this is worth being said, because like, so this happened last week. If you go out and try and get information online, it's a lot harder than you might think. Most of it is just kind of ephemeral stuff on Twitter. But because it doesn't qualify you for a main thing and there's like a main page, like, you know, the Channel Fireball page is still like, you're going to go to the event and here's what you need to know, like the FAQ. Daily MTG doesn't really have a thing about it. So I, I mean, I pulled up this article from Quiet Speculation. <laughs> but, uh, and that was like the most 
well-rounded, succinct thing about it. I think Star City Premium has something as well, which I don't have right now. Um, but the consensus was the event went pretty well. About 4,000 people. Okay. And obviously this is Modern. Modern is the most popular uh, format uh, in terms of competitive play right now. Uh, let's say, let's, let me do this, Cameron. Let's just have a mental exercise. I am going to put an event in July. Paint the perfect July event for that would make Cameron go to it. Go. Mm. Uh, let's see. I think it needs to be a standard event. I want a good, big standard event. Um, I want lots of side table events. Give me Legacy Modern Pioneer. Old school. Let's do it all. And um, I'm sitting on some cards that I need to get rid of. So you, I want like vendors from all over the Midwest or wherever region we're at. Um, willing to buy all my stuff. So <laughs> that's what I want. Well, uh, according to this article, uh, it was one of the biggest buy sessions in terms of vendors being there and like running low on cash, which is, of course, you know, kind of a consequence of right now. Um, I, the article makes that seem like it's a really healthy thing. I don't know if it's a good indicator for non-rotating formats mm. um, outside of modern. I think modern's fine. It's healthy. I have all kinds of beef with modern, but I don't know about like if you're like you and sitting on a legacy collection or a vintage collection. I don't know to what extent you know, uh, Cameron. What I'm telling you is you need to cash it all out and buy one single NFT. Um, mm. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Some great financial advice. <laughs> You'll become a millionaire. Um, but just buy one. Just buy one and hold it. But make sure you share on Twitter the picture over and over and over yes. again. Yes. Um, just, just the best financial advice up here on the Spike feed. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, Cameron, so I, I, I'm encouraged by this. I think if, if modern is what it takes, then cool. I would prefer a standard event as well. Uh, so I said July. July is actually terrible for you, but July is great for me. So what yeah, are we going to yeah. do, right? We can squeeze uh, in a July. I can squeeze in a weekend. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's the strength of the show. We each have opposite terrible ends of the year <laughs> yeah. of playing Magic. Uh, but to me, the thing has to have coverage. Yeah. I would like to go if it's in the Midwest. I will make that trip. But please, like, it's much more likely to be in the East Coast, Southeast, whatever. And something that's a little bit too far for me to drive. And I would like to watch it. That it, it's such a it's such a um, snake eating its own tail when we're constantly like people don't watch coverage. So we're not going to provide coverage. And then it's like, well, OK, now now you've guaranteed, you know, it's like you miss all the shots you don't take. You get no viewers for all the coverage you don't provide. Right. Like so. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. That is something that I would like to see. Um, and also. Just like, I mean, it does feel weird that it didn't lead to anything. Maybe that's fine. Um, but man, it would be nice to have a competitive structure in place for these Grand Prix to build towards a national champion, a world champion. Um, Cameron, I'm saying what we need to do is after you buy that NFT, let's cash it out. Let's start a <laughs> tournament series. How hard could it be? I don't think it would be hard at all, especially yeah. with like the right F NFT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, have you seen, oh, another thing that made this like just, just the coverage abysmal is like, I had to search for 
an alarming amount of time just to find the top eight deck list, dude. Um, and it's weird, right? There, there is a lot here. Uh, and <coughs> Amulet was the most represented one. In yeah. fact, Hardened Scales, Jund, uh, Grixis, or, I'm sorry, uh, Black Red Midrange, Four Color Control, and Indomitable Creativity. Um, yeah, so, and only, only eight copies, eight or twelve copies of Raghavan in the top eight. Hmm. So, that's nice. Yeah. Um, anyway... Kind of what you would expect. Decks that either play Raghavan or decks that ignore Raghavan. Um, what do you What are you feeling about this top eight, man? Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> not surprising. It feels very modern. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised by Amulet at all. Like, I feel like that's still like one of the best things you can be doing. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna just stand by like my thoughts and feelings of Raghavan and company being all of Modern Horizons too, um, and how I feel about it and its impact on Legacy. I think could trickle down into Modern. I don't think it's actually. I'm just speaking for myself. I don't think it's been healthy or good for the game at all. Yeah, dude, and what a strange, like at least anecdotally at my shop, everybody's been talking about blue-red. Like, Merc Tyreach and decks, Raghavan yeah. decks, Dragon Raid Chandler decks, whatever you want me to call them, not represented here at all. And, I mean, that's not to say that they're outside of the top eight, but it's it's not what I would have expected, though, when you kind of stew on it. It's like, oh, okay, obviously. Like, Hardened Scales gives zero craps about Raghavan, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other thing I would mention here is what is happening with this coverage? Like, I'm literally looking at the top eight. They are photographs of the deck list. <laughs> yeah. On Twitter. Like, we've got to do better than... What, what is happening? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's if it isn't digital, it's almost impossible now to accumulate results and then put them on the internet. Yeah, this, this whole thing is not my favorite. So... Um, let's get coverage, actual deck list, actual good player profiles, and maybe all this stuff is out there, and I missed it. And that's even some ways worse. Yeah. That a guy sitting here Googling for five minutes that's like heavily invested, that has however many shows under his belt about Magic the Gathering, it took me forever to just find these lists. It's a bad sign. Okay? Yeah. All right, Cameron. Let's get out of the segment, come back, and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, so let's talk about what else we've been up to watching, playing this week. Um, I just want to lead off with Wheel of Time because I have a very quick thing to talk about. So I did watch the first couple episodes of Hawkeye, and I thought they were quite good. I don't yeah, know if you've seen I, them I've yet. Wa- yeah, I've watched the first one. I thought it was great, yeah. Uh, and I would say of all the interpretations of the characters, I've never liked Jeremy Renner's interpretation of Hawkeye. I think it is quite far afield and personality lists. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think Hawkeye in the comics, some of the comics has quite a distinctive personality and they, that he's been kind of robbed of that. Um, but whatever it, it's, it's worth it. Wheel of time though. Amazon's doing this weird thing where they, they put out the first three episodes and then they're doing one a week after that. And, I talked about this last week, I, and I can't remember. Cameron, 
Are, do, are you just passingly familiar with Wheel of Time? Have you read any of Wheel of Time? Where are you at on yeah, that? Yeah, I'm passing. I mean, I'm I'm familiar with what it is in the context of doorstopper fantasy fiction, right? Like, I mean, I understand that. I understand that it goes on for, I, what, 350 books now? Um, you know, and they're each like a thousand pages long. Um, my dad is a huge fan of Wheel of Time. I think he's read it through twice, you know? So like when this came out, he's like during, we had Thanksgiving yesterday at my family. I, he just couldn't stop talking about this. And I'm like, dad, I, I haven't even watched it. And he just was giving me a play by play. So he's like really, really, really into it. So I'm familiar. I'll check it out at some point just because like, I have to have the context to have a conversation with my father. And this is the way that we're going to do that through Robert Jordan. Okay. So <laughs> It's for the record. It's fourteen books long. It's yeah, actually yeah. finished. Um, but like Brandon Sanderson finished off the last like two or three books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read the first three books like late high school, early college. So that's kind of my. So I remembered enough to just get frustrated. Translation. I'm probably going to be rereading the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of like be up to it. But here's the problem, Cameron. So it's really an interesting thing to think that like this series acts as the bridge between i heard someone else say this lord of the rings and game of thrones how lord of the rings is super you know uh, kind of told like a biblical tale almost right yeah. it's it's very much rooted in um kind of a hero's journey kind of thing where game of thrones is all the way like hyper cynical hyper political everyone's out for their own gains blah 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 the one in between those two is wheel of time and now we're like going back and getting that so it's like kind of violent like Game of Thrones, but not quite. And it's a little bit more visceral, but not quite. And a little bit more political than Lord of the Rings. But so it's kind of like, it feels weird. Like you're kind of <laughs> shifting back. Um, but dude, this is my, this is my peanut butter jelly. This is my yeah. macaroni and cheese bowl. Hey, four kids, you know, in a village. One of them's the chosen one. We got to get them out of here before the dark one arrives. Like, okay, I'm in, I'm in. Here's the thing though. This there's a ton of money on screen. Like Amazon is pouring everything they got on this and marketing like crazy too. I mean, I every time you pull up Amazon, every t- you know what, it's yeah. there, right? Uh and I think there is a a uh desire for on their part to be the next Game of Thrones. Um and so I think they've kind of upped the violence a little bit from what I remember from the books. Uh but it's like TV 16. It's not all the way. Does that make sense? Yep. Um however, however, some of the direction, the pacing is really clunky, which I think you could say carries over from the books. Um, and it feels like we go these long stretches of time where they don't do a very good job of explaining who is what and why. Um, so it's probably good you're having this talk with your father. The thing that I'm worried about with you, Cameron, is the pilot is quite easily the worst episode. Like, it's a bad episode of television, okay. in my opinion. So just know that it gets a lot better. But that first episode is like, what the heck is happening? This is not very well made, designed, whatever. I also, and this is a weird thing to say, because the person who's doing this is probably incredible and well paid and all this stuff. I hate the costuming on the show. Hmm. I don't know if they're just trying to go a different direction than what they did in Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, which I think we could argue have a very similar sure. costuming style. Um but it 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 does not look right. It does not look right sometimes, and so it bugs me. But it's like I 
episodes three and four specifically, I really liked. So, yeah, give it a go sometime. I will check it out. Is that, yeah, is no, that lukewarm enough for you? Yeah, that's that says that's the seal of approval I needed from you, Curtis. <laughs> uh, all it's done is made me want to go buy the book so I can remember this. Um, dude, talk to me. Last week I recommended to you Halo. Yeah. Uh, so how'd think, that go? I texted you I, earlier in the week. Um, I coming off of Battlefield 2042, which I'm going to continue to play, and then going straight into the Halo Infinite multiplayer, while radically different in everything and like how they kind of approach everything, at the end of the day, the Halo people just delivered the most competent and technical shooter I think I've played in a long time. I mean, like, it just, nothing about it feels buggy. It just, like, straight out of the box plays like the Halo of 2003 that I remember, right? I mean, it just, it is so tight and so technically competent. Um, and, like, it, it's just, um, it's peanut butter and jelly. Like, it really just feels um, so straightforward. And in some ways, that might feel like a step back. But honestly, like the bugs that I keep on running into with with Battlefield um, and it just feels kind of slower just to even get into games and all of that just don't make for as like an enjoyable of experience as playing um, 45 minutes of Halo or like I can just play like a half hour match and call it good. And I feel like I got my 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 time's worth out of that where, man, with with Battlefield and some of these maps, if you don't hop onto a vehicle instantly I mean, you're just running to the first objective and then getting sniped and then like, okay, now I can start the game, you know? So uh, what I'm saying is like, if you have your choice of like what shooter you're going to be playing this Christmas, um, hands down, I would be playing Halo. I think it's just a better game across the board. It's also $60 less, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's another, yeah. yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's a full on free to play multiplayer. Um, the other thing I would say is like, I, I would love to know what it's like inside of Battlefield and Call of Duty because they're both kind of taking a little bit of a drumming from Halo right now, mm. which is not something I would have ever expected. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you cruise the Black Friday uh, deals, but this is the most aggressively I've ever seen a Call of Duty discounted ever. Huh. Like it, it was like I want to say it was either thirty five or forty bucks like over Black Friday, and Call of Duties usually don't go on discount. Right, yeah. they kind of have that Nintendo style approach. Um, there's some other things going on with Activision, right? So it's affecting that. But if you look at the concurrent players on Steam and stuff, like Halo is beating Battlefield, and by the way, that's not including the people that are playing it on Game Pass. Yeah, that's just the people that are playing it on Steam. I mean, it's wild. Yeah, uh, how uh, popular it is. I am so bad at it, Cameron. Like I am so bad. Yeah, I'm not good. Um, at it. <laughs> I love the big team battle because usually the chaos of it reminds me of Battlefield 1943. Like, it's just a 12v12, mm -hmm. but, you know, I can, like, fly something. I can, you know, pick some pot shots at some guys, that kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest, man. That zoom pistol, that's what it's all about, right? <laughs> it's good. It's really good. <laughs> OP'd. Yeah. Um, so, hey, I just want to mention Death Door. Do you know anything about this game? Nothing. Uh, so it's probably quite easily going to win my game of the year. It's an indie that came out over the summer on Xbox, and now it just came out for Switch and PlayStation uh, 4 or 5. It's been on PC since July as well. 
It's one of those indies that like, you know, they align with one company and then like six months later it comes out on the other one. And a lot of a lot of things I've seen mistake this as a Dark Souls like. It is not. Okay. It is not, not, not. The only thing that makes it like a Dark Souls is A, really good level design with shortcuts, and B, uh, the combat is super precise. But there are no corpse runs, there's no death penalty, there's none of that. It actually is kind of like a more challenging Zelda. Um, and essentially there's a story, but you play a crow that is, you're essentially a reaper and you collect dead souls. And there is a kind of quasi humorous story. It looks a lot like the art style is like Howl's Moving Castle. Mm -hmm. Um, and the music is super minimalist, like an eco or a dark souls. Um, but the combat and level design is just awesome. I mean, it's just one of those things that it does what it does so incredibly well uh, that I could not pull myself away from it. I probably put in 12 hours over the course of three days. Um, yes, I was on Thanksgiving break at my in-laws, you know, uh, but I just and on the switch on port, <laughs> excuse me, portable mode, it ran a little bit better than it does on docked for whatever reason. I mean, you know, uh, but if you're going to play it on a big machine, this is also the first time. I talk so much crap about the Switch OLED. This game is a little bit darker, and I was like, if I had an OLED, this would be a lot more comfortable of a playing experience. So that was a little bit of a bummer, uh, me eating my own words. But I think this game is like not just kind of good. I think it is fantastic. Just a really tightly designed single player. It's probably 20 hours long. Um, tons of secrets, dungeons, dungeon... Uh, you know, you get new abilities that allow you to access other points of other levels, and... Yes, 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 yes. It's super right. good. Downloading it uh, right after we get off the show. Sounds great. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you'd want it on Switch or PC though. It, it kind of depends yeah. on your playing it looks experience. Like a, it looks like it would be perfect for a portable experience, so I'll probably go Switch. Yeah, and then yeah, just go buy yourself a new Switch OLED camera based upon my recommendation. Mm -hmm. Tell the wife. Yeah. Curtis says the only way to play this really great twenty dollar game is to get the three hundred fifty dollars. Three hundred fifty dollars yeah, that I can't find anywhere in the country right now. Yeah, are people really flipping those? I have no idea. I think it's uh, just a piece of tech, so it's just going to be rare right now. Oh well, hey dude, we haven't really talked about this, but they finally allowed you to connect Bluetooth headphones to the Switch. Right? Yeah. Hallelujah. That, that's been in the system this entire time. It's just a flip of a switch, man. It's unthinkable that it's <laughs> taken this long. Just in time for my AirPods to be dead. Anyway. <laughs> so let's get out of this. Uh, let's get out of this show, Cameron. Uh, hey, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about um, what beats make you look the most respectable, where could they find you? That's all at Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We'll check you guys next week.